Hello, hello. This is Reality of Reality. I'm Aliza Rosen, a longtime TV producer and development executive. Every week on the podcast, I talk to interesting people in all aspects of unscripted content. Today on the podcast, Jenny Hutt. Jenny and I have known each other a long time. She is a radio host of Just Jenny on Sirius XM Radio, a daily show you should be listening to every day. She is also a former lawyer, but keeps up those credentials. She is known for her self-deprecating humor, her openness, her willingness to talk about everything, how she lost a lot of weight many years ago and continues to keep it off, how she lost her mother and, and talks about that and the struggles that she's had with that. We, we get into that as well. She and I met back when she was hosting her show with Alexa Stewart, Martha Stewart's daughter, and they kind of had a famous falling out, which led Jenny to work on her own. And we get into that really interesting conversation. Jenny has got another second act with an amazing company called Bunny Eyes that she and her sister started. You can learn all about that as well. So enjoy the podcast with the amazing Jenny Hutt. Okay. I am here with Jenny Hutt. Jenny, I'm so excited. I'm, I'm bummed. I didn't get to talk to you in person in New York, but so excited that I got to be on your show. And thank you so much for making time to talk to me on Skype. And we did get to see each other. It just, there was, <laughs> just wasn't time to actually There's sit and do this after yeah. the show. I was too busy promoting my own stuff. Very important. <laughs> Yes, it is. Well, thank you for having us on. Again, you have an amazing radio show. So I always start the podcast by saying how I met my guests. So I don't know if you remember that I was a very early listener to you and Alexis back like when you started in 2005. I think I got serious at the beginning of 2006. And I was a listener from day one. And I remember when you guys had your crazy breakup that kind of happened out of nowhere, at least to the listeners, I think I just like boldly reached out to you. I was like, Hey, what's going on? <laughs> and like, shockingly, you wrote me back. And then we just sort of started this yeah, like, friendship. I, that's, that's so funny. Cause I, I was actually thinking before, I didn't remember how we knew each other. Um, but of course I, I know that we did cause that happened. That was in 2011. Um, so it was at the end of it actually was like spring, summer, 2011. And it wasn't as, it seemed very, very dramatic at the time, but it wasn't, I think, as dramatic as it must have sounded or must have seemed. Um, I think whatever the listeners heard or the viewers saw uh, was pretty much how it all kind of played out. We just, my ex-co-host didn't want to do the show anymore and she didn't want to really work with me anymore or be friends with me anymore. And it was just sort of that kind of thing. And that was very much on brand with who she was and I guess who she is. So it wasn't as shocking, I think. I mean, it certainly ultimately wasn't shocking for me because I knew her as well as I did then. So again, it was sort of on brand. But I think for our listeners, it was probably a little bit confusing, but it was, it was pretty much just what it sounded like. It's kind of amazing that you made it work for as long as you did, right? Considering that? No, because when we, we always really got along, there wasn't much fighting. Cause I, I mean, I'm not really the fighting kind. It's just not my, it's not in my nature. Um, so we got along pretty much really, really great until, the end. And I think there was just a series of 
shifts that made us sort of grow apart maybe. And that wasn't, I guess, an, an appealing, an appealing thing to her. I guess I never, she never exactly told me why she didn't like me. Anymore. So, but till this day, you have no idea. And I do now. Huh? Till this day, you have no idea. Yeah, I mean, I have my my theories, but I really, I'm hesitant to jump into anybody's brain. Right. Because how can I? Right. I mean, I remember it was such a big deal, I guess, I don't know, in the serious universe that I remember you going on Howard to talk about it. And it was... Well, no, um, it was a big deal. <laughs> I went on Howard to talk about our book because we had published a book right? I called read it. Whatever and the book was, yeah, the book's adorable. It was really, really good. And so I got on Howard because I, I was on Howard for a few reasons. I'd, I'd been at SiriusXM for three months longer than Howard. And so I think, and I had gone through a lot of life transitions kind of while I was, while I was at SiriusXM. I pretty much grew up there. I was, I started, I was 35, which isn't that young, but looking back 15 years later, it's pretty damn young. Yeah. And, uh, and during that time, I, I launched that show with Alexis, had a, had a bunch of TV shows with Alexis. And then, um, in 2008, I lost my mother and then 2009, 2010, I lost like 70 pounds and that it's like losing a small child in body weight. And, uh, and I think that my kind of, my metamorphosis or my sort of growth or changing or whatever it was, I think that that was intriguing for Howard's world. And cause they were my friends, all those guys. And they saw, they saw me go through a lot, saw the dissolution of my partnership and, so they watched a lot of it happen. And I had had a show also on Howard 101 with John Hines. So it kind of made sense for me to promote the book there. And Howard was gracious enough to have me on. And then they did ask questions about Alexis, but, but they knew her too. So it was, it was an easy place for me to go, mostly because they knew the players. And the whole situation, as strange as it looked from really the outside, it was a lot less strange if you worked at SiriusXM and knew both of us. Yeah. So it was kind of a safe place to talk about it. Yeah. And they were still, they were so nice and still are. I mean, I love that whole staff. Yeah, I love, I mean, I've been listening to that show since I was in high school. So that was exciting for like yeah, my, worlds to, my worlds to collide. Um, yeah. He's a really good guy, Howard Stern. He's a nice man. Yeah. And that was, I mean, did that elevate your national profile anymore? Or like, did you notice any bounce from that? I just always wonder about that when people go on Howard, if it just puts them in another realm. No, I mean, no, I don't think it put me in another realm. I think it definitely, because I'd already been on the channel with John Hines. I think what it did was, to my, for my everyday, because I remember at the time, like when we launched and they launched, as you recall, because you had Sirius XM, there wasn't a lot of programming. So we did have listeners from Howard anyway. Yeah. So I'm sure that there were some that didn't know of me, but I think more than that, Howard gave me a little bit of, of credibility 
because he was really kind and he was really generous with his compliments. And he had mentioned at the time, like, he was like, oh, well, you could work for me if they hire you. I mean, because I was, I had been doing my show with Alexis without Alexis for like six months, (laughs) the time that I went on his show. And I didn't know at what point the hatchet was going to come down. I figured the, that Martha's company was going to have to let me go. I mean, that sort of made sense. And then the hope was that SiriusXM was going to hire me. And that was exactly what ended up happening during Christmas vacation, which was amazing. I got fired from one company and hired by the next. And I was not off the air more than a couple of weeks. Yeah. I mean, you you have always, even when they've switched your show to different channels on Sirius, I mean, you just, you've been such a stalwart from the beginning. And I was always amazed by how quickly and easily, not quickly, but with the ease at which you went from having a co-hosted show to hosting the whole thing on your own. Like to me, that's really, people don't realize the talent that that actually takes. Was that hard to adapt to or did it just feel like putting on a cozy set of slippers? Yeah. I mean, I'd already been doing it. I'd already been working with her for five and a half years. And then I did six months myself prior to moving over to having my Just Jenny show. So I think when I launched my show, it initially started, my show with Alexis was always two hours. My show originally started as one hour a day. And one hour a day is really, really easy to do. It felt really easy to do, but that's after having two hours a day, five days a week experience with with a co-host who sometimes I mean, to and she would have said this herself and probably did many days. Some days she didn't feel like talking. So I think that I was used to talking. So it was fine. And then when my show went to two hours, it was just I have I I have good guests. And then I also I have um, my listeners are incredible. I mean, they call in and they participate and they are smart and engaged. So that has also made it a much easier job to do. I feel very, very lucky. I have a lot of listeners who've been with me from the start. Yeah. And you're just a great communicator. I mean, what I love about your show is how raw and open you are. I mean, you're a complete open book about your own life. And like you said, you you went through it with your listeners, losing your mother, you know, when she was yeah, sick and then losing your mother. I mean, that was just yep. so, I don't remember or know any experience like that with somebody sort of in the national spotlight who's sharing something so personal and painful. Well, I, well, first of all, it wasn't really, there was an element of choice that kind of didn't happen (laughs) for me because my, so when my mom got sick, my mother didn't want me talking about on the air. So for around eight months, I had to compartmentalize the, like taking care of my mom. Yeah. And knowing that she was going to die, she had pancreatic cancer. So I knew that this was not going to have a happy ending, but I had such hope and such like Pollyanna feelings like, Oh, maybe this will be the time that we'll be able to, someone's life will be saved. I mean, I knew on a rational level, I knew she was dying, but I tried to respect her. So I think my listeners knew that I was in crisis, but didn't exactly know why. And then they, Martha had posted for my mother's birthday party pictures of my mom. And it was clear that she was wearing um, something on her head because she didn't have hair anymore. So I think people guessed that she had cancer, but didn't know what kind. And then I, I took off very little time. I took off the day my mother got diagnosed. And then I took off the day that she was admitted to the hospital for the last time. And then we brought her home for hospice. But 
the day that, that she, the day after she went into the hospital, I was about to be on air and I had equipment was set up in my house and Martha's show was right before mine. And Martha came on the air literally five minutes before I was set to be on air and started talking about my mom and how sick my mom was. And I had not said a thing up until that point. I had not said a word. So were you angry? I was blindsided, not angry. I was confused. I was, um, cause Martha was just wishing her well, okay. but I was definitely like, now what do I do? But at that point I just tried to do what I thought would make my mom happy. So I got on the air and I told a bit what was going on. And I told that my mother was in the hospital and that if anybody had wanted to send cards, that would be lovely and prayers and support. And there were hundreds of cards sent within 48 hours. And it was the most beautiful, um, grace filled thing I've experienced in my life. And when my mom did pass away, I think three weeks later, maybe the support or four weeks later, the support that I got uh, from my listeners, I think it really carried me through. I don't, mm. I don't know. I don't know how I would have gotten through grieving. I don't know how I did get through it. It's, it's 11 and a half years later and I still cry at the drop of a hat, but I really, I don't know how I got through it other than I felt incredibly carried by people who listened to me every day. They were an incredible source of strength. And so I think when you ask, is it hard or is it easy to do my show on my own? I think when you feel that level of support from strangers who don't feel like strangers because you have radio provides this intimate dynamic between the listener and the host or the person who's talking on air. And I am responsive and I've always tried to be as accessible as is appropriate or I'm comfortable with with my listeners. So like once who email me, I email them back They message me. I message back. I'm like, why, like, why wouldn't I? We're all the same. And I think that knowing that they were there supporting me when I launched my own show and there they were, it was like, Oh, I could do this. Cause they're all still here. So it's, it's uh, there's, there's a lot more good people out there than not. Yeah. I was going to say that really restores my faith in humanity. That's beautiful. And, and I'm sure it was, I mean, you have an amazing family, obviously and friends, but, but having that as like a larger community, I'm sure was, was incredibly supportive. And it also, really yeah. And also yeah. like, I love, you know, one of the ways that I've always related and been interested in you and listening to your show is that you're always candid about your weights and your struggles and how it's not like it's one and done and you just lost 75 pounds or I think it was 75 pounds. And then, you know, everything's cured. Like it's an ongoing struggle and you've kind of incorporated that into your show with weight Wednesday. So talk a little bit about, you know, losing the weight and what's that, what that's meant for you and and why it's something that's important for you to talk about. So I think that women, I think that women, not, I always say 99% of women have issues with their body and food and their weight. And the 1% who says they don't are lying because they <laughs> totally. it's a universal thing. Yeah. I think we all have some struggle. Some of us don't like our ass or don't like our boobs or think we're too fat or think we're too thin and think we're just whatever. Everybody has a something. Everybody has food issues and, and they're all different, but we all have them. 
And when I lost weight, it was after my mom had passed away and I was 39 years old and I was uh, really at a crossroads of looking at my life. I I'd never even, I thought about mortality when it came to my kids or when it came to sort of like, I have to be alive for my family, but I never really thought of it as anything other than my life would be much like everybody else's. I'd live till whatever age people lived till. And that was that. But then when my mother passed away and she was only 65 and she was thin and she was, I mean, she was not like an immunocompromised person in her lifetime. She had her issues, but she, and she had degenerative back disease, but the cancer thing had come just out of nowhere. It was so crazy that I think that it was a wake up call that we are mortal, that you just don't know what or when. And, um, and then I looked at, at things like how cancer is, um, cancer loves fat. And even though my mother was thin, she got cancer. So I didn't want to sort of have even more odds stacked against me. And, and then I think that I went through a, a feeling of, I, I really like, being alive. And I really uh, got to a point where I felt like I could either choose to live a life that I felt fulfilled in, that I really tried to experience everything that I want to experience in life, or I could not. And there was this thing, I think, in me that really went deep that I realized that I had to, I had to choose to love myself enough to want to take better care of myself. And and it, and I did. And it started with going to a cardiologist who diagnosed me with high blood pressure and said to me, like, I'm not going to let heart disease kill you. Mm-hmm. And that was such a great thing because I was like, OK, well, that's one. Check that off the list. And and then I just I think I, I it was a kind of surrender to looking at my body and looking at weight in a whole other way than I had ever before. It was the first time in my life that I didn't think about a number that I wasn't like, oh, I'm going to lose 20 pounds, 30 pounds, 40 pounds, 50 pounds. 60 pounds. I just didn't think. I just was like, I'm just going to a day at a time. Like I just changed how I was eating and then added exercise into my life. But it was very matter of fact, unemotional and um, truly a day at a time. And I yeah. think because of that, I didn't have the pressure. And also, I think because my mother wasn't here, we had always had this back and forth about my body. My body was like an extension of her. And I think she had a very hard time watching my struggle. And because of that, she sort of exacerbated my struggle and made me crazy about my body, my weight. So I think that the anger that I had toward her around my body stopped me from taking good care of myself. Wow. So after she died, like I had no one to be mad at about that anymore, (laughs) other than like I just had to deal with myself. So, and it's sad because in every other way we got along. I mean, she was my biggest fan. She was the greatest. I miss her every day of my life. She was my first call in the morning. She was my last call at night. She woke me up every day. She woke my whole house up every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and we lived next door to each other. We were very, it was like a meshment 101. And meshment 101. <laughs> we were like a very overly tight knit family. So I think that it was a combination of letting go of that anger and that rebellion that was like sort of, Screw you, I'm not going to get thin because it's all you want. But like it was all I wanted. So I think 
it was a combination. It was almost like perfect alignment of things that made me able to lose weight. And then when I got to different kind of levels of, I just wasn't obese anymore. And I think I was so grateful that I had, I was no longer obese, like clinically obese. Yeah. That, that was when I was able to start looking at the number on the scale. And, and then I just kept going. And like you said before, there's no, there's no finish line. So I think that in my head, I kind of knew there was no finish line from the start. I sort of knew that like health and wellness is a life's journey. And the statistics are against any person who loses weight and especially a large amount of weight. So I knew that I had a, that it was going to forever be a journey and a process and that I was always going to be ha- have to be accountable to myself and continue to make appropriate choices for my body or I'd be fat again. And I couldn't, I, I don't ever want to be fat again. So Weight Wednesday came out of a lot of people asking me to help them because I had done it. And a lot of people wanting to vent about their own stuff with their body. And then uh, the overwhelmingly large amount of experts that are here to help each one of us find our specific path. Because while it's true that it is calories in and calories out, how you get there is different for each person. So like, that's why all different diets work for different people. Right. And that always interests me about your show, because I always think, how does she wade through all this information? Because I feel like a lot of times I get yanked around by, you know, and we're about the same age. So I'm struggling with, you know, just my hormones. And I mean, I used to be able to drop weight and and it's awful. I used to be able to drop weight in a heartbeat. And, you know, now it's like, well, am I better on keto or should I try Weight Watchers again? And it's like, everything just is so much harder now. So how do you kind of sift through the information? I mean, you have a lot of sort of contradictory information that you're, you know, from your experts that, I mean, all of it is ultimately going to make you feel better and lose weight probably if you, if you, if you do it, but how do you figure out like for yourself, what's going to work best for you personally? So I'm going to tell you, Louisa, here's the thing. And this is actually for everybody and anybody listening. Weight loss boils down to one thing. You have to eat less than your body expends. So if you are somebody who uses a thousand calories a day, and most people use more, I mean, I don't know how to calculate someone's basal metabolic rate, but let's say to make the numbers easy, if you're somebody who uses a thousand calories a day, then you need to eat 700 calories a day so that you're taking in less than you're using. So ultimately, the way weight loss happens for everybody is that your body is in a state of calorie deficit or caloric deficit. And how you get there differs person to person. So the reason a ketogenic diet works for the people it works for is they like the food they're eating. They become satiated with the high fat content of the food and the high protein content of the food. And so they stop eating after they've only consumed a certain amount of calories that puts them in a caloric deficit. They don't overeat They because they're, they're satisfied very quickly because the, the, the food is so dense. So those people lose weight because they're not overeating calorie-wise, ultimately. The same thing with a high-fiber diet. A high-fiber diet is great and probably the best for wellness, fruits, vegetables, and fiber. The reason high-fiber works a high fiber diet works is because when, when a lot of the calories come from fiber, 
you get full really quickly. When you get full really quickly, you can't overeat. So again, you're keeping your calories down. So even in diets that say you don't have to count calories, you don't have to count calories because the stuff that you're eating puts your body in a position to not want to eat more than your body needs. Right. You end up losing weight. And so then diet is that what works for you, by the way? You. I'm sorry? Sorry, is that what works for you the best, is the, is the high fiber? No, what works for me the best, really, and how I lost weight was every diet. So I did low <laughs> carb, then I did Weight Watchers, I did Jenny Craig. I think I've done every diet on the market <laughs> until I got bored and went to the next one. But ultimately, it's calorie counting. It's calories in and calories out. So I really love WW, Weight Watchers Reimagined, or Weight Watchers, or well, whatever it's called today. I love that program because it lets you eat whatever you want. What I've learned from me and like my life is that if someone tells me I can't eat something, it's the only thing I'm going to eat. Totally. So if you tell me I can't have cake, I want an entire cake. <laughs> so at least with the calorie counting plans like a WW or any of them, or my fitness pal, that's a fantastic app. When I track my food, I can lose weight and I can maintain my weight. And that's really it's for me, it's calorie counting. Now, do I like a high fiber diet? Sure. Fiber is great and healthy and good for your blood and good for your cholesterol. Yes. Fiber is amazing. Um, and so is, but I, I am a, I, the only thing I won't ever do is keto. Cause I just can't, it just doesn't work. It's just grosses me out. It's not for me, <laughs> but I've been a vegan. I'm a vegetarian. And then I, I count my calories. I try to watch sugar. Cause I think sugar is mostly unhealthy. I don't think it's, I don't think I have to give up sugar altogether. Cause like that's an impossible thing for me and the backlash will be terrible. <laughs> but I find the older I get, the more it's uh, more and more it's about health. And when I focus on moving my body more, which is, which is really key for me, then I make better food choices. So yeah, that's what I do. And I just, I pay attention to everything I eat. I stop eating most days around six o'clock, sometimes five o'clock, sometimes four o'clock. I've been intermittent fasting long before it became a trend. I remember I that. I think since 2015 or yeah, probably 2015 I started or 2014 when I met a woman named Amelia Freer, who is the, the dietitian responsible for um, Sam, what's his last name? The singer. Oh, He's Sam so Smith. good. He's so good. Yeah. She helped him lose weight. What time do you start eating in the morning? So there's intermittent fasting works any from 12 hours of fasting on. So if you finish eating dinner at six, you could have your first bite of food at six. But I tend to, let's say I finish having food at six. I probably don't have coffee the next day until 10 or 11, probably, because I get up and I work out with my dogs. I exercise, I have water or whatever. And then... I really don't have anything till 10 or 11 the next day, sometimes 12. But if it's earlier, that's okay. If I wake up super hungry and it's nine, I'll eat. I just, it has to be 12 hours, the bare minimum. And then it's usually 15, 16, 17. Right. Do you ever have moments, like you're so diligent and it's, you know, like you said, it's every day you have to just do it. But do you ever have days where you're like so pissed off that you have to do it? (laughs) Like you're just like, I just want to eat pasta and pizza and ice (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And there are days that I eat pizza and ice cream and pasta. And then there's weeks that I don't. So it's, but yeah. sure, of course. And angry. I mean, exercise used to make me furious, used to make <laughs> me cry. And it's taken me to 50 years old to know what I need to do and how I need to do it 
for exercise to feel esteemable and like a choice, like a gift that I get to move my body. Yeah. Like I recognize now that when I wake up in the morning and I exercise and I get my movement in, I feel better. It's yeah. fully to feel better. It's not about my weight. It's only about my mental state and feeling like my heart works and feeling like I'm going to be healthy and alive. Like that's how I look at it. So um, I, I used to hate it. I had a trainer whom I adore, but every time he showed up, <laughs> I was so fucking pissed off. It's like, I'm not good it. I can't because then I realized like it just brings up too much in me to have to adhere to someone else's schedule or have someone else tell me what I need to do with my body. I'm very, I'm not okay with that. But if it comes from me and I choose to do it, my God, I could be on the treadmill for two hours. Happy. I don't even, you know, I'm just, it's, it's a whole different thing. So yeah, but so of course you get, I have days that I'm pissed off. Yeah. Everyone does. Yeah. Well, I think your attitude is inspiring. That's why one of the reasons I love your show. Another reason I love your show is that, you know, it's on, it's about more than weight. It's about uh, pop culture and you've always got actors and directors and all kinds of interesting people on. So how did you decide kind of, or how do you decide how to shape uh, each episode? What are the kinds of things that you're interested in? Well, I think you just hit it. It's the kind of things that I'm interested in. So I am very interested in things uh, that women deal with at midlife Mm -hmm. as our kids. If if we choose to have kids, if our kids are growing up and leaving the house, how that shifts our lives. Um, Just aging for women in general, I think is something that fascinates me. What do we do next in a world that's consumed with youth and beauty? I think that I, I launched my eyeglass company with my sister in 2018, my bunny eyes. Yes. And I think entrepreneurship and women, that fascinates me. Second act, third act life in general fascinate me because I think we have an opportunity to live as full a life as we want to and to pivot and change and um, for whatever identity we want to have. And, and be creative in ways we never dreamed. You just have to be open to it. So I am fascinated by all of that. And I also, and I also choose sort of guests and topics and things to talk about that I think might motivate somebody else. Because I know listening, like I'll see people on TV or I'll listen to somebody on the radio and I'll be like, oh my God, I want to do what they're doing or I want to have what they have. Not in an envy kind of way, in a, wait, if they can do it, maybe I can do it too. I'm mm-hmm. big on showing through how the, the work ethic really and consistency really leads to whatever it is that you want to happen. Yeah, I, 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 I do. I, I see that in your guests that you have on. It's always inspiring and usually always inspiring. And then I'm always amazed by how you handle your, handle your callers. So let's talk about that for a second, because you have a live show and you have callers some some that are regular callers some that aren't and sometimes you wade into politics or issues that can get thorny and you know you have to stay above the fray and you have to deal with sometimes people who don't say nasty things or say things that I can tell piss you off so how do you do you have like a mantra that you think about when you deal with people like what is your approach yeah how do you approach it I, I, I don't have a mantra but I do have a method that I when people are irrational. It's pretty clear from the start of a conversation. Mm -hmm. So those people, I just try to let them talk a little bit longer and a little bit more because typically 
look at themselves in their own trouble and they don't need my help getting there. <laughs> so that's always, that's, that's like a gift. That's easy. But, um, but sometimes people, and it's not that many, I mean, anti-vaxxers, I, I have a hard time keeping my pool with an anti-vaxxer, mm-hmm. very hard time keeping my pool, <laughs> uh, because I just know the science. I'm, I'm super well read and I, that I, my tolerance goes right by the wayside. When it comes to politics, look, I, there's people that I know that are um, close to me and they have different political ideology from me. And usually it's because of like money, because they're like, oh, this, this, uh, this kind of government is better for their pocket or whatever. Mm-hmm. And do I like that? No, I can't stand it. But I have to kind of take the good and leave the rest. So I try to do that with my listeners. They're not going to be all sort of liberal like I am. I mean, you can't get more certainly socially liberal than I am. Um, anything, I'm happy with everybody. <laughs> and I think equality is the most important thing we, we, we can hope to have for, for all human beings, right? Um, but I'm just happy that they're, they're choosing to listen to my show because some of it is seeping in. So if they're calling to argue with me about, I'm going to have to tell one of my dogs to check it. (laughs) You heard I had the same issue earlier. If they're, if they are calling, uh, to, to fight with me about the president or fight with me about something like that. Like, it's just, it's just, I'm going to listen to what they have to say, then I'm going to explain my perspective and then we're going to hang up and I still have my show to do. Yeah. So it just, it's not really worth it for me to go ham on anyone because also I've learned that they're not, their opinion's not going to really change in that phone call. Now it might change if they choose to keep listening to my show and usually they do. Hmm. I mean, the ones that can't stand me probably listen to me the most <laughs> a little bit of whatever I'm saying is creeping into their brains. Yeah. And they're annoyed by it, but they can't turn away. So no. it's good. <laughs> it's like when I used to listen to Rush Limbaugh back in the day, just to hear what the other side was right. saying. Um, exactly. Yeah. But you hope, right. You hope, you hope yeah. in, in this case that the good stuff seeps in. So you mentioned bunny eyes earlier and I was really psyched when I saw you start to promote that. Cause that is a bit of a second act or just an extension of, cool things that you're already doing. So talk a little bit about what that is. So I, my sister and I, it started really that I, I get my hair colored way too often. I hate (laughs) being gray. And, and I had perfect vision until I turned 44. And so about two and a half years ago or three years ago, I was frustrated yet again that I'm sitting in my kitchen and Lucky me, someone's in my house coloring my hair, which is so great. But I, I can't read while I'm getting my hair colored because I can't wear my reading glasses. And I'm like a, I'm always reading. I'm always doing something. I have a hard time relaxing. And I feel like I'm not getting enough done if I'm like not reading. Same. So I am, uh, so I'm frustrated. I'm saying to myself, there's got to be, like, why aren't there glasses that I could be wearing while I get my hair colored? I didn't like the idea of the sleeves that they put on in salons. Cause I think that that takes away from the color on your hair. It goes on the sleeve and not on your hair. So like three months later, and I only told my husband and I think I told one of my kids, I think I told my son, I had this idea or whatever. Cause I'm not 
I mean, I'm not an inventor. I'm not that creative. I don't, I've never been an entrepreneur. This is like, this is like in my belly. Mm -hmm. So three months later, my sister and I were in a salon side by side getting our hair done and she looked frustrated and I was like, what's wrong? And she said, I'm so irritated. I can't read. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's crazy because so am I. And so we start talking and we start coming up with what we think is going to be these glasses that you can hold in your hand. And then we go and we start Googling and, and looking and they don't exist, which was a whole other weird thing. Because I was like, how can these not exist? Because again, I don't create, like that's not my thing. <laughs> and so, but they didn't exist. So I, we ended up creating these glasses that are wearable, flippable and tiltable. So you can tilt the front of the frame when you're wearing them. So you can like watch TV and read your phone at the same time. You can hold them in your hand. You can flip the temples and hold them in your hand when you get your hair styled or get your hair done. You can hold them in your hand if you're doing a face mask. You can flip one temple so you can lie on your side in bed and not have a temple dig into the side of your head. Like they have many, wow. many uses and they don't exist. And we filed, of course, for multiple patents because um, you have to do that. So yeah. we are legally and that's, and that's great. And we launched in 2018, in June of 2018. And we have really phenomenal fans and, and really great supporters and we're growing and it's uh, and it's a very exciting business. It's called bunny eyes, um, bunny eyes with a Z. We named it after our mom, bunny and uh, who always left her reading glasses in every room. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's really, they're, they're beautiful looking and stylish and awesome, but they are super convenient for anybody who multitasks in their lives and, they're just great. They're the only glasses I wear now. I mean, that's it. And, and we're going to launch optical in the fall and um, it's all very exciting. I love, I love this business so much. I love that I'm doing it with my sister and I love that it's, I, my hope is that it'll be um, my legacy and it's way more exciting to talk about my glasses than it is to talk about myself. So I, I love this. So the next obvious question is when are you guys going on Shark Tank? Right. So we had thought about it. And the, the, the reason that we didn't, I had like preliminary conversations and I, I think if we want to, we could do it. But the problem is we don't have an ask right now. And the only reason to go on Shark Tank is when I think is if you have an ask. Um, otherwise, I think it's not cool to do to them. Then you're a gold digger. Yeah. And then you're just like looking for exposure and exposure is great. Right. But I, you know, they're like, I have tremendous respect for the people on that show. Oh my God. And if we get to a point where we need to look for funding or we need a certain expertise that we can't come by ourselves, mm-hmm. then I think fly. But for right now, I, we're not, we're not looking for cash. I mean, we're always looking uh. to grow our sales. Everybody is but we're not looking to dilute ownership um, at this point in time. But I, but when I had the idea, I did download Lori's app, Hero or Zero, and went through like the whole thing. And I was like, it. oh, nobody makes this. Nobody has this. This could totally work. And then, and then the coolest part is that it, they're so great and people totally responded the way that we hoped. Like it's an amazing, just wow. wild to, have something in your brain and then actually hold it in your hand and then have people buy it. It's just, 
I'm very, very proud of Funny uh, Eyes. Like, I'm super proud. so proud of you. And obviously, Lori, if you ever go on the show, Lori will be your shark. She needs to be your shark. I'm obsessed with that yeah, show. She's I, cool. I could just yeah, see her just living for this. And congratulations, because you know what? That is, it takes a huge amount of courage. And like you said, this is not your wheelhouse. So the fact that you not only did it, but you made it successful, that's huge. That's That's really, really something. I think, Aliza, that's the other thing that, and you do this too, there's, I think people look at someone like you and you make movies and you make documentaries and you make TV and you do your podcast and you do whatever you do and they think to themselves, oh, I could never do that. But then they have an idea and they have an idea and then they sort of push it away. I think the only difference between people who, who quote unquote, make it or are successful and our business isn't big like we want it to be yet but yeah our business is working it's very it's got a lot of promise but the difference is execution so I think we all have ideas that are fleeting and they're they come at us and then we sort of push them away but if you take that idea and you actually execute it and you do it and you do it with almost reckless abandon like it doesn't matter what happens then you'll know whether or not you have a viable business. If you don't follow through, you're never going to know. So like my advice to everybody is follow through with it, whatever it is that you are wanting to do or thinking of creating, because it's really like the only reasons people don't do it really is because they are worried that someone's going to see them fail. Yeah. Like that's weird, but true. We all, our egos are all so big that we're like, well, if I try and I fail, everyone's going to laugh at me. And the real truth is no one's laughing at you because they're also consumed with what they're doing. <laughs> they don't give a rat's ass about what you're, you're up to. So just do it. Don't think about anybody else. Just put your blinders on and do whatever it is you want to do. And chances are you'll have more success than you, than you think. And, and even if you don't, the lessons learned will be so valuable that the next time you have an idea, you'll go one step farther. So I just, I, I'm a big believer in follow through. Yeah, I, that's amazing. And I, I can't help but thank your mom looking down, looking at you and your sister doing this together with her name. Like, it just makes me want to cry with happy tears. Yeah, we cry all the time. It's just <laughs> the age, it's all of it. So. I get it. Well, Jenny, you continue to be an inspiration to me and to everyone who listens to you. And I hope that all my listeners will check out your um, radio show. So just like give us the 411 on the radio show where we can find it and Bunny Eyes just before we go. So give us the yeah. plugs. So Bunny Eyes is bunnyeyes.com. So it's B-U-N-N-Y-E-Y-E-Z.com. And you can also find them on Amazon and on Nordstrom and, and a few other places. And then uh, my show, Just Jenny, is on SiriusXM Monday through Friday, 12 p.m. East. So it's 9 West on the West Coast on SiriusXM Stars. And and I'm on Instagram at Just Jenny Hutt. I'm most active on Instagram. Um, so if you follow me there, I, I, you'll, you'll be kept aware of, of everything going on. And if you message me, I message back. Um, yes, I can vouch for that. That's how this all happened many, many years ago. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. Thank you so much for caring enough to ask me to do your show. Thank you. Uh, Oh my gosh. I love having you on and we'll do it in person one time soon. Yes, for sure. All right. Jenny, thank you. All right. Thank you. Take care.